welcome back to No Love Lost, your premier go-to source for totally unbiased AFC North discourse. Jacob Bailey is here. Ethan DeVille is here. And I, Corey and or Corbin Bagford, am here. And I'm sick to my stomach. Not just because I had way too much of my child's Halloween candy over the last 24 hours. I honestly do feel like I'm about to throw up maybe during the course of this show, but mainly because I had to watch my Browns take an L to the, the Pittsburgh Steelers yet again yesterday afternoon on Sunday, 15-10, the Steelers. And I actually had a bet I need to square off right off the bat here, boys. So I'm sorry I'm not going to let you talk, but I'd sing a little something here. So Steelers and wins, Steelers and wins. I'm going to the one like Steelers and wins. Steelers and wins, Steelers and wins. I'm going to the like Steelers and wins. I don't know if that was on, on key or not. <laughs> Yeah, that's a sh- shout out to loyal listener Harris Beck, Pittsburgh native Steelers fan. We had a little wager go, and that was my punishment for the Browns taking the L. If the Browns would have won this game, we might have some additional listeners to today's show. You know, I told him, hey, if the Browns win, you got to get some free advertising, got to go up to some random people, say, hey, listen to No Love Lost and AFC North Roundtable available on Apple and Spotify, you know, which I don't even do that because I'm a little self conscious about telling people, hey, listen to my podcast. But I was going to get him to do it, boys. I think we're stuck with the current audience. But how are we doing today on this fine, well, not so fine day for me? I mean, I'm doing horrible. I, I, I'm I, bummed out. I can't believe uh, what happened to my Bengals happened this week, but we'll get to it, obviously. It's just upsetting. <laughs> yes, Bengals falling to the Jets. Best team in the NFL, Cincinnati Bengals. Falling to the, probably the best team, I guess, now, you know, by proxy, the New York Jets. Yeah, Jay Biz is over here with a proxy. smile. Yeah. Jay Biz, you've got to be feeling a whole lot better than the two of us today. I mean, going in, I felt this was our biggest game of the season so far, and uh, our team showed up. Yeah. Showed up in a big way. Texted Corey during the game. I said, you know, we we're talking about it's a bruiser. Yeah, this is classic, a real classic AFC North. This is a real AFC North. Defensive These teams don't battle. like each other. No love. Defensive lost. battle. Hits, hits galore yes. all over the place. Most notably being uh, Chris Boswell on the, the attempted uh, fake field goal. Mike Tomlin putting his uh, his sack on the table there, and he got his kicker sacked to the uh, the medical center with a concussion, I believe. Chris Boswell, Billy, what was the analogy you were making? Chris Boswell, to me, looked like when in Madden, if you actually do a fake field goal for real in Madden, like, you know how you kind of, like, do that weird jog where your hands yeah. don't really leave like the middle of your chest and you just kind of <laughs> stand there and wait for someone to get open. That's what it looked like to me. You don't it, know uh, the play design for the fake. It was, it was like, he didn't realize he was about to get hit until quite literally he was getting hit. And it's like, Oh shit, I got to throw the ball. You know? And it's like, yeah, it, it was, it just bummed me out. It, it scared me because I know kickers are frail, but uh sounds like he's, I think he's all right. Right. Um, well, he was, he was concussed. He missed the rest yeah. of the game. Okay. Um, no, no, no so it, it, he was not all right. Um, I have not heard today. If he, you know, obviously he's got to go through concussion protocol. So hopefully he's back. Uh, if not, we'll have to sign a kicker for like a week or two. Yeah, dude, um, That's why this game ended up with a 15, 10 score line. Yeah, we had two touchdowns with no extra points. Okay, I was wondering why. Okay, that makes now I understand why you guys went for the two point conversion on like the twelve yard line after that because they showed Presley Harvin, the Steelers' rookie punter, and he he was doing the kickoffs for them, and it it looked like kind of it went out of bounds. It went out of bounds. Yeah, just way out of bounds, kind of way up in the air, not a lot of distance behind it. 
even the one that he didn't kick out of bounds came up at like the 15. So it's just clear that like these are two totally different things, like kicking and punting the ball. Yeah. See, he had never attempted boys... a field goal in his career yeah. until that. <laughs> like ever. I don't know if you boys remember, but uh, in like the early 2000s, 90s, it wasn't uncommon for a team to carry two kickers, a field goal kicker and a place kicker. Now, it wasn't necessarily common either. Right. But there were at least a few teams per season that would have two kickers on their 53-man roster. I think we've seen it recently where a team will have the kickoff specialist. Mm-hmm. Kickoffs, I guess, at this point, since they moved it up about 10 years ago or whatever it was, the kind of touchbacks are more common. But when you're, you know, your starting kicker couldn't get the ball into the end zone or out of the back of the end zone, it was actually an asset to have a guy that could just blast it through. When, you know, <laughs> the era of Devin Hester, Josh Cribbs, Antoine Randall like just tearing up the return game. That is a very, very good point. And now we don't see it as it's much. It's also as... a little more common for uh, nowadays just because of COVID protocols for teams to have an extra kicker punt and punter on the practice squad just because right. you never know who. I mean, it's not so much a thing this year, but last year you never knew who was going to test positive, and now all of a sudden you literally don't have a punter this week. Yeah, so, like, is. those Thanks. extra spots that would be like a tight end or a defensive lineman were all of a sudden going to – you'd have a couple extra kickers. <laughs> I think uh, the Bengals are one of the few teams that does carry a punter on the practice squad. We Drew, do. We have a practice Drew squad Christian. punter. Is it Drew Christian or Christman? He's Drew a Christman, I think Ohio state guy. Yeah. yeah. Ohio state. And I think he's a little Sal Cincinnatian. So Cincinnati native. Yes. He was, he's very good, but uh, it's one of those things where like, if we didn't have a 10 plus year vet already filling the role, he yeah. would absolutely it's, it's a respect thing that we kept the guy we have when like, I hate to say it, but this new kid might be more talented. Well, but Huber also the lifelong Cincinnatian. Exactly. You don't cut the lifelong Cincinnatian. I don't know. Might be a Cincinnati on Cincinnati crime there if uh, Christmas comes in to replace Huber eventually. Yes, Jabez, Steelers 15-10. And honestly, like, I don't even think the Steelers played well. And, yeah, I know I'm biased because I expect better out of my Browns. I expected a little better out of the Steelers. The Steelers' defense is incredible. And they won this game because of the defense. But the offense doesn't look good still. The only reason the offense was able to win is because the defense just mucked up the game enough. Steelers offense, all they really need. It's easy to win a game when all you need is like four big plays on offense. Yeah, I mean, we'll take everyone we can get, you know. Uh-huh. Um, our offense, you know, we didn't, we weren't sloppy with the football. You know, we weren't turning the football over. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a good place to start. Our offensive line, I mean, this is their best game all season like i they stepped up they kept emphasizing that miles garrett i mean he was single teamed all game and he had one sack i think that was more of a case i mean because he was getting around that single team but his ben was releasing the ball so quickly it's a lot of what we saw the steelers doing last year with like the quick pass game and let the steelers or let the steelers receivers do the work it was very frustrating though the browns were going for three straight wins against the Steelers for the first time since 1989 on Sunday. They cannot get it done, so I guess we'll have to wait until maybe next year, two years down the line. But just the fact that they have not gotten this team like three times in a row in that long, it just speaks to like the dominance the Steelers have had over the Browns. And honestly, the Steelers do live rent-free in my head. I'm willing to admit it. Like That is just so dejecting. Like The Steelers get that lead in the game, and I know the Browns aren't coming back. They just, they're just they not going to come back against the Steelers. We're not right now. We need to be up the whole game if we want to keep them away. But that defense, once that defense, you know, pins their ears back and is playing with a lead late in the game, 
TJ Watt is so good. He's incredible. And he was just eating after Conklin went out, he was just eating Blake Hans's lunch. He was there on the right tackle. And yeah, once Conklin went down, I remember I was like, man, I hate injuries. And I saw it was Conklin. I was like, oh man. Like it's gonna impact the game. I mean, absolutely. I also think that would. I also think no Denzel Ward for the Browns made a big impact in this game. The Browns, you know, secondary played fine, I guess. There, you know, a few long gainers that you know Denzel Ward maybe would have had an impact on. I think Greedy Williams and you know Newsom had a heck of a, a third down stop on Deontay Johnson, like a one-handed tackle. Yeah, where he like pulled him down by his like his yeah. like waist or his hip. Very that was an because that one-handed that yeah. should have been a first down, and he literally I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, that was a that was a big man tackle right there. That was a absolutely grown man tackle. But the Browns secondary um, as a whole did let up some big gainers. I don't know. I mean, that play at the end, that fifty, yeah. that fifty yard play to Deontay, that was seal the game. That was so big. Nick Chubb was back for the Browns. He like he did not have a great game. Nick Chubb's stats on the game: sixteen carries, sixty one yards, and really like that doesn't do justice to what the Steelers are doing to him because he had those sixty one yards basically off of maybe four chunk runs, and the rest of it was him getting stuck at the line of scrimmage, stuck in the backfield. And when the Browns don't have that, you know, that run game going, it's kind of like limits their offense as a whole because then the play action builds off that. The Browns' only big gains were to the tight ends in play action. Like Odell, I don't think had a catch. Jarvis Landry struggled, dropped the crucial, you know, fourth down, which we know is a tough catch. But the Browns really can't do anything on offense right now, at least with the run game not getting not getting going. Yeah, he had a big fumble too. Yeah. So Jarvis, not a, not a great game. Odell, not a great game. And it is kind of boring football when like your tight ends are the ones doing the work. I don't know. As <laughs> Davili would know with, you know, league leading tight end CJ Uzama. Yeah. But he is killing it. He is killing it. But yeah, the Browns not killing it. At least not on Sunday. I, there's one thing I want to focus on in this game, Jabez, and you probably have more, but there was a point midway through the third quarter where the Steelers went for it fourth and one right around midfield. And it looked like when they initially came in as a handoff to Najee Harris, when they came in, the ref at the top of the screen came in short of the first down marker. And then they eventually, they didn't even measure it. They just went ahead, spotted the ball. Moved yeah. The but if you watched the replay, like it was very clear. He was, yeah. I mean, he was over the line and I know I, I, I think so his well. spotting was really was horrible and that's why the other one just grabbed it and said you know they were like first down <laughs> right but as a fan like you watch that and it's infuriating to see you're like, like, you're, how, like you're like why did they always get this call yeah yeah as a like, how fan. are these referees so far I, off from each other looking at the same play but then that you know that's such a crucial fourth down conversion because then that was the one where you know Firemuth had a big gain later on that drive a couple of plays later and then Najee Harris goes in with the the Superman, the Superman touchdown that eventually I think that's the one that gave him the lead, right? Yeah, maybe. And and maybe that was the one that brought it to like ten to nine. I'm not sure about the order of anything because Fryermuth had another touchdown as well for the Steelers. But ugh, it, when it comes down to like you can the cliche if you can limit every single NFL game down to a few plays, it really really came true there. JB is what, what are you, what are you, what are you going to remember from the victorious side of this one? Cause I'll remember all too much from the losing side. Yeah. I thought lots of like, 
you know, at the beginning, I was like upset about it because there was a, you know, a high hit on Ben. And then, I mean, there was high hits galore. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't, they weren't getting called really. No love lost. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy because on the exact opposite end, you know, and I'm sure Ethan will bring this up, but we all saw the penalty that Mike Hilton got called on. And, you know, Mike Hilton's my boy, former Steeler. I thought it was an egregious penalty personally. Yeah. But, Terrible. You know, we'll, we'll discuss that in a minute. Um, I do want to say, you know, Corey, I'm really glad that you brought up that, uh, that touchdown that Pat Fryermuth had in the fourth quarter. We were discussing, and I, I think uh, he makes a great King of the North this week. The King of the North! That was the game-leading touchdown after the Najee Superman. Incredible catch, especially from a rookie tight end, uh, to get the bobble and then catch it, get the feet down. He had a couple of big receptions in this game, made some big blocks. I think the rookie tandem of him and Najee Harris will be great riches for years to come in Pittsburgh. Maybe a, maybe a couple contracts each as Steelers there. Yeah, Pat Fryermuth in this one, four catches, 44 yards, and the touchdown. And also, it's just something that, like, the Steelers, and I know this is a lot of teams, like the Ravens had it with Todd Heath, but when they can have, go from, like, Heath Miller, where everybody's saying, Heath, and then you come in and you have Fryermuth, and it's going to be, Mood. I, I just know it already. I haven't even watched the Steelers' home game, and I know that's what yeah, it is. That's that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, it. you could hear it. You could hear it in this game a little bit, you know? Yeah, because you got Austin Hooper as well. You know, so when he catches one for the Browns, it's Hoop, or it was Heap, when it was Todd Heap. We're so simple-minded as fans. Right. Yeah, Remember one... Jay Bruce? Yeah, Bruce. Yeah, just Bruce. Stay, got one play, and we're sticking to it. Now, now you yeah, got it's just a long Bruce. Vowel. Now you got Mike, Mike Moustakis on the Reds, and he's Moose. When they also yes. have Jesse James for a little bit, which is just a great cowboy name as a you know NFL tight end he had a nice game for the I believe the Bears yesterday but that's besides the yeah, point yeah he did that's the uh, NFC North we're focused on the AFC North here the other game featuring an AFC North team this weekend it did come down to a few plays you know like every <laughs> NFL game but Davili the Bengals were also playing the New York Jets it probably shouldn't have come down to just a few plays no, it shouldn't have. It was very upsetting, to say the least. But um, here's my mindset on it. I, we can go into highlights in a sec. I'm not super. I'm not as upset about it as I could be because here's the deal. We all have that one game a year that no one expects us to win, and we do. Every team also has that one game a year that you. it's going to be a rollover, and somehow you find a way to lose it. We just had a bipolar two weeks, and we had those two games back-to-back. So I'm going to forget about it. It's early in the year. It's whatever. It's a bummer that we gave up 400 yards to a practice squad kid in his first career start, a defense that's been solid this whole year so far, a top five unit in the NFL, gives up 13 missed tackles along with those 400 yards. But it is what it is. My only worry is that right now it's whatever. It's something you can push away and say, oh, who cares? You know, it's, it's, it's only week eight, whatever but I'm terrified that this is going to be that one game that in week 14 or week 15, we're looking at, we're like, Oh my God, if we had just won oh, that one away. jets game, we would, that's like, that's the difference between like a, like a three and a seven seed in the, in the playoff bubble. Now, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just, I'm scared that's coming. Oh, and inevitably it will. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the Bengals, exactly. the Bengals were up 31 to 20 with five mm-hmm. minutes left in this game. And then mm-hmm. you get the 
two touchdowns late by the Jets. Did they kick an onside kick or did they just stop the Bengals on on third down? It was the Shaq Lawson interception. Did you guys see that? I did not, but Jay Bizen did. did obviously. Bengals, He's not so, so Jets get a touchdown. Bengals get the ball back with about you know four minutes to go. We're on our own 25-yard line. It's like it's fresh off the kickoff, keep mm-hmm. in mind. Joe Burrow drops back to pass, batted at the line of scrimmage, same defensive end, Shaq Lawson, who bats it, catches it at like the 20. And I'm like, mm. oh my God, Joe Burrow tackles him, which is terrifying. I get flashbacks from the Andy Dalton 2015 season yep. when he oh, dove for the ball and broke his hand. hand. Against the Steelers. So, so Joe Burrow gets up and he's like, all right, he's good. I'm like, okay, Joe's okay. And I'm like, well, the game's fucked though. So that sucks. Cause now the jets have the ball. They're down three. They're on our 20 yard line with a first down. And it's like, Oh my God, we just lost this game. It's New York Jets, you know, it's the New York Jets. You guys should be fine. It was just such a bummer. It is. It's one of those things you you guys mentioned it 10 minutes ago. It's that thing where like one play can ruin an entire game. And that was it. Well, Davili, you're going to be thinking about one play that could like possibly ruin your brain for the entire system. And that's the, the Mike Hilton aforementioned personal foul leading with the helmet hit on i believe michael carter or ty johnson one of the jets running backs there <laughs> everyone saw it probably who's listening to this podcast mike hilton goes low to make the hit he looks like he even tries to put his head to the side you know his head was down but of course low man wins so the running back coming in here dips his head and their helmets collide right on the crown you know not a great looking hit but obviously like what's the defender supposed to do he's two feet off the ground exactly doing everything he can exactly and our uh, our defensive coordinator came out in the press conference today and was like i have no problem with what mike hilton did there today or yeah. yesterday he was like i i, I would have coached him any differently yeah um because what are you to do and it's a bummer because i'm never one to blame the rest for a loss and i won't do it here either because it, there was like i said so many opportunities to win that game that just didn't happen we should have been 20 up 28 to 7 at halftime to be honest and we just weren't but um <laughs> That is one of those ones that makes you think because it's like if if there was no penalty there, we stopped him on third down. Mike, Mike Hilton stopped him a couple yards short of the first. Joe Burrow would have had the ball back in his hands, down three with a minute 30 left. Yep. And it's just one of those what-if scenarios. It is what it is, but uh, a little bit of love lost for the refs here this week. Yeah, No, there, there has never been any love to lose for the NFL officials. Speaking of that, I'm going to go on a little rant, really rant, rant this week. You know, sometimes we rant. And uh, – I'm going to be completely honest. Why is it not a thing in this day and age with all the cameras we have to have? Because here's what we all see every week, right? There's at least a couple calls a week per game where the refs, you know, they're like talking. They'll, they'll have their little weird meetings. They'll circle mm-hmm. around the, the, the white hat God ref. Yep. And the ones with the black hats will do a little seance circle around them. And they'll say, all right, boys, what happened on that last play? And they'll all kind of converse and be like, what'd you, well, what'd you see? Well, what'd you what are see? we going to say happened? exactly they're saying well what are we going to say happened what is so controversial what is so controversial about them being like you know what we're going to send it to new york we're going to challenge ourselves and take a look at this in the footage now where that could get dicey is like the amount of self-challenges there would be per game because like let's say hypothetically they took a look at the video evidence of five Bengals plays but not a single jets play like now you got a conflict of interest interest but 
I almost disagree with myself saying that because it's like, well, you're going to get booed for bad calls anyway. You might as well take a look at every single one of them. I get that it slows down the game. I guess I get that you might not be able to watch young Sheldon at 7 p.m. when it comes on because uh, it got delayed because of the refs. But what's Sheldon. the big deal? Why did, did you boys think that would be a good idea or no? Well, Davili, I think we're getting, and JB's up, you could probably agree with me here, that we're getting closer and closer to the sky judge. Mm -hmm. element of because that's been pushed you know for probably a good five years now like hey why don't we just have another ref up in the booth where we could just say and it, it wouldn't be i don't think it'd be every play but like hits like this unnecessary roughness roughing the passer pass interference mm -hmm. like we because we saw how much of a disaster it is when a team can challenge a penalty like yeah. pass interference a couple years ago it's true and it's weird because like older relatives of mine will say, well, you, you know, all this footage is ruining the game. I liked like in baseball, for example, <laughs> like I love when the umpire made the call. It was all about that. The manager would come out and yell at him and it'd be a bullshit call. And I'm like, so what? I don't care about any of that. I want the right call made. If we have the technology to ensure that the correct call is made, why are we not utilizing it? I don't care that the manager's yelling at the ump. I want the right call. How do y'all feel about that? Yeah. And I feel like you could leave out, like you could have them just do it for like, personal fouls and like yeah. pass interference like yeah. exactly you know because the they, ones that the crowd is thirsty like if it's for, an offensive holding if it's an offensive yeah. holding they're not going to stop the game to look at they, it because they can do that every play yeah as we said we don't need every hole and they reviewed. don't even need to stop the game but like within like a few seconds like that sky judge could come out and be like hey yeah penalty like call a penalty. And under two minutes in any situation if you want to be like you especially, know especially especially under two minutes especially under two minutes maybe maybe once in a while you look at that hold under two minutes because yeah if it's the first quarter whatever but if it's 43 seconds left in the game you want to look at that and i don't get why people are so upset with that i'm not personally davili that is a big uh boomer energy right and we, we have a lot mm -hmm. we exhibit a lot of that here on this podcast with that's this is the one thing where we're in the modern era with our takes as far as the mm -hmm. you know replay is good now i do say you don't exactly want to get into a situation like the last two minutes of like an nba game where they can literally review everything and you're stopping so much to where the last yeah. two minutes takes 30 yeah, minutes i or don't want minutes. that but the reason is like the nfl officials are never going to check themselves like those guys in the little seance like they're never going to like be like well maybe we screwed this one up no like even mm -hmm. if they don't have a good angle they're going to, you know, they gather together in their seance and it's like a bunch of guys that, you know, somebody just accidentally murdered somebody. They're all coming up with that. Okay. Let's get our story they straight. Are. Let's get the correct alibi. Like where were you? Well, I wasn't there. Well, I saw this receiver get his towel pulled. So we're going to throw the flag here and the, exactly. the cops will That's never have, doing. will never be on our tail, you know? So I just don't think it's ever going to happen unless we get a, we need to have the commissioner step in. We need to have, the players union step in when they have this next collective bargaining because this is affecting games in this case. Like it this is. is, we're not gonna, you know, we can't say the Bengals for sure are gonna get the ball back and for sure are gonna score a game-winning touchdown yeah. or anything like that, but they should have a chance, you know. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. I all I'm saying is every week on Twitter, every single week, I see one team's fan base complaining they got hosed by yes. the refs. Sometimes it's two or three. We we're all there multiple times a year. Yes. Why? What's so wrong with taking that away? And especially now that there is you know money on these games, the NFL is embracing gambling a little bit. That this is not only the players' game checks and everything like that being affected, but it's all the money that goes back and forth in the sports books. 
like my fan being affected by stuff that they are getting wrong blatantly wrong and it's just like the best they could do is like an apology letter right stupid thumbs me out very stupid. one final thing i will say about this Bengals loss one last thing the after game press conference but joe mixon Tyler Boyd and Jesse Bates all went up to field questions as team captains. They did, they were not like individual players taking questions. They were like, we came up together. They were like, we did this on our own accord. And they started off with a little speech before they straight up said, and this was refreshing to hear. It wasn't coach speak. Cause usually, you know, you take a loss like that and you're like, Oh, well, the, you know, the jets are a respected team. Oh, we lost to the O and eight lions, but they're, they're a good team that fought hard. No, these three men got up there and they said, yeah, we fully acknowledge that we should have beat the shit out of the jets today. And we did not. And Jesse Bates specifically said the Browns are coming off a loss this week. We play them next and they're just going to want it as much as we are. And we have to fix this in the next seven days. And I was kind of fired up by that. I know that might sound kind of corny, but it was nice to hear. It was nice to hear them say that like they care, they want to win. And that's just so nice to hear. No offense, Corey, but they're coming for you. I think that's cool, Ethan. And I think you have every right to be fired up about that. Exactly. I can totally tell that you are. I am. That was cool. It was cool for them to not be like, you know, it's just they're a respectable offense. They were, they were like straight up like that was dumb. We screwed up. We should have killed them. And we didn't. It was nice to hear. Refreshing. Yeah. They let Mike White, Western Kentucky's finest rack up over 400 yards. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of them were just dump offs to like the running backs too. Dude, 75% of the plays were five yard dump offs to a running back. The other 25%. Were double reverse lateral downfield throws by wide receivers. They threw the kitchen sink at us, and I hate to say it, but it worked. The Dan Campbell method. Yeah, I think uh, it was Ty Johnson had five catches for 71 yards. Michael Carter had nine catches for 95 yards. So that's over 100 and I think 80 yards coming out of the backfield, 184 if my, or 186 if my mental math is working out correctly for me. Just coming out of the backfield alone, and a lot of those aren't even designed mm-hmm. routes. It's just like, like leak out of there, get a little screen pass. In the NFL, yes, the talent gap between the best team and the worst team is drastic, but it's nothing like college. So if you let a team like the Jets or you know another bad team, like for example the Pittsburgh Steelers, you let them hang around in a game, and they're just able to pull it off. Like you let them hang around, hang around. Eventually, something's going to go their way. Like these yes. guys, these guys get paid too, to really. Right. It's funny it you call us a bad team when our record's better than yours, but, you know. <laughs> hey, it cracks me up because, like, every progress. year there's always that one. If it's, like, an Ohio team, there's always that one tweet that goes viral that says, like, do you think Ohio State could beat the Browns? Or the next year, like, this year it'll be like, <laughs> do you guys think Michigan State could beat the Lions? I think they could. And I'm like, that is Never. the most ridiculous nonsense I've ever heard in my life. The absolute worst players on the Detroit Lions practice squad would be starters on that Michigan State team. You know what I mean? It's just like, what are you talking about? Now that college athletes are getting paid and stuff, I would love to see this actually happen one year. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. One year they play in a game and they say, okay, whatever team wins the national championship this year, we'll play the team that's got the number one draft pick. Yes. In an exhibition, we'll sell tickets. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it can finally answer that question. And obviously, yeah. we all feel the same way about it. There you go. At the time of recording, Georgia's number one and the Lions are the laughing stock of the NFL. I fully believe the Lions would beat Georgia by 50 points or more. I'm not even bullshitting that. I will say a little, little throwback for you guys here. They actually used to do this, no. not with like a regular college team, but they would do a college all star team. I think a lot of times they would play 
either the the Super Bowl champions or just the Chicago Bears. Here, I'm looking it up for you. It's called the Chicago. <laughs> you guys are either going to play the Super Bowl champs yeah. or the Bears. <laughs> it's the Chicago College All-Star Game. It was a charity game played in the preseason from 1934 to 1976 with a team of the National Football League's champions and a team of star college seniors from the previous year. Now, a lot of times the college team would win. So we look at like over the first five years here, the college team has won two of the games. The NFL Chicago Bears has won one and there have been two ties. So like when football was first being formed and like there are still some spots like into the 50s where the college team is getting wins here over the Lions and over the Packers. And this was the NFL champions. Now, obviously, it's a preseason game, but back in like the 30s, 40s, I don't really think like they weren't resting anybody for preseason games. No, this is also an era too where like skill players, like receivers yeah. and cornerbacks, were six foot one, 220 pound white dudes who smoked cigs between quarters. Like this you got to factor that in too. Yeah, this was not their day job. This is what they're doing on the weekend for a day. Basically. Right. <laughs> maybe one night a week of practice. They were but, like butchers and shit in their day jobs. <laughs> exactly. So maybe the college all-stars were the ones that dedicated more time to football and probably were the better players in a lot of cases back then. Cause it like, you know, the NFL just wasn't really prominent until the, I think it was the first Super Bowl when it was yeah. one of the first televised, you know, sporting events in America. And that's what mm-hmm. kind of brought the, uh, the NFL into a big national stage. I don't think it's ever and nutrition has come so far in the last 20 years. And we really don't, we really take that for granted. Our generation does. I think like just diet and exercise, like at an NFL level, like what these guys are doing compared to what the guys were doing in like the seventies. My God. Oh, are you kidding me? Like, look at like DK Metcalf versus like the biggest stars of the eighties, like Jesus Christ. Yeah, put D- DK Metcalf against uh, Mike Ditka as tight end. Like Mike right. Ditka playing back in like the 50s, 60s. He was a tight end back in that day. I bet if you put Derrick Henry on a field, like Derrick Henry is running over Dick Buckus. And that's even like God, the 70s, yeah. 80s. Yeah. So, sorry, also, Dick poor Buckus. Derrick Henry. Yeah, poor Derrick yes. Henry. He's out for the poorly timed stadium, Corey. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. They said six to ten weeks, and then said <laughs> probably for the season. So yeah, they're probably done. Jameis Winston also season. hurt in the revenge. Did you guys see game. the video of Jameis Winston partying in the locker room though? Yes. After the game? on his crutches. Yes, sir. What a Jameis Winston love, thing to do. <laughs> I love that guy. I love the that people's guy. Champ. I also love that Tom Brady lost to Trevor Simeon. So yes, yes, yeah. he did. Hey, I think I it's just the, the Saints have their number. I forgot. Yeah. I didn't even realize Trevor Simeon was still in the league. I really didn't. Yeah. Oh, yes. Don't forget. How could you he ever was, forget? He was one Trevor of four Simeon. backups to to get their team a dub yesterday. So <sighs> big day for backups. Right. Look at all the look at all the Denver quarterbacks that have just cycled through and become great backups elsewhere. We've got one. Brandon Case, Allen. Brandon Allen. Cincinnati. Simeon. Why will John Elway just not invest in a quarterback? What's up with that? I'm being dead serious. He did once. He got Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah, once. He got the, the legacy goat play, once, Billy. and then never again did he Yeah, the legacy play. He, he gets another one be... in a few years and gets another Super Bowl or two. I mean, he looks great. So but Elway wants to remain the top quarterback in Broncos history. He doesn't want to be usurped as the face right. of the Broncos. Like, I'm not even trying to sound mean. I completely forgot about Drew Locke. Like, I didn't exactly. even, I, like, I, I forgot about him already. He's already a memory to me. 
Elway is so associated with the Broncos that he even kind of looks like a Bronco himself. Yes. Never he seen does. That? He's got that horse face. Yeah, I don't think anybody's ever going to match the, you know, the, the team and player symmetry. It's really, really strong there. I'm not sure if it's ever going to be rekindled elsewhere. But I mentioned right. Dick Buckus. This brings us to our Dick of the Week, not Dick Buckus. But today, it is Dick Wood. Dick Wood. He's a quarterback. Oh. Back in the day for the Broncos, Chargers, speaking of the Broncos, Broncos, Chargers, Jets, Raiders, and Dolphins. Not a great quarterback, Dick Wood, in his career. You know, played over the course of a few years, was drafted in the 12th round out of Auburn back in 59. No AFC North love except for in his coaching days when Dick Wood was the quarterbacks and running backs coach in 74 for the Cleveland Browns. So shout out to Dick Wood, you know. Dick Wood coming in as your backup quarterback. He actually was the quarterback that bridged the gap for the Jets before they drafted Joe Namath. So shout out to Dick Wood, our Dick of the Week. As for next week, you know, we got a showdown here in the AFC North. Once again, the Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Cleveland Browns. I wanted to get tickets for this game. They're far too expensive. So, Davili, real quick here, what's your prediction? I'm going to give my boys the dub. They're going to rally, but I think this is going to be similar to your game with Pittsburgh. I think we're going to have like a, a rough, I'm calling a, I'm going to call a 17 to 14 Cincinnati victory. Grit and grind AFC North Mm -hmm. battle. I don't know. I hope the Browns are able to get it going on the ground and that nice Nick Chubb touchdown would be fantastic. Yeah. This week, the Steelers play Monday night football against the Chicago bears. Uh, looking forward to seeing us play again in See, prime time. A, a rookie quarterback in the Steelers, as we know, J-Biz, never lose a game at home in prime time. So yeah, we're see much needed, rocking. Much needed win yet again. Yeah, we got to get everyone we can. So, no, hey, don't don't count your chickens before they hatch, j because then you could end up losing to a bad team like the New York Jets. But. Hey. I, I didn't say are. anything negative against the Bears, about the Bears. I just said we La- got to get everyone lost, we can. They lost in prime time to a bad Bengals team in the Finley Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if true. I was in Cincinnati for. Could happen. I don't know. I wish you the best, J-Biz, just for you personally, not for the Steelers as a whole. They can go dig a hole and jump in as far as I'm concerned. But just for you, I hope that you are happy. So as your friend, I hope you have a nice Sunday. Maybe they tie. That'll be the best ideal outcome. Unfortunately, Ravens, I can't root for both of you to have a nice. Yeah, no. Nice day. Well, you're kind of hoping we tie as well. So, yeah. For hey. me, it's Monday. So I will have a nice Sunday. Maybe we'll shoot for a nice Davili. I don't know if you recall the Bengals Browns game from like, I don't know what year it was, maybe 2000, anywhere from 2006 to 2009. The one where they scored like, like 150 points. Yeah, the 56 to 48, yeah. whatever it was. Uh, Wasn't it like the highest scoring game in NFL history? Yes between a bad Browns team and a bad Bengals team, or maybe probably a decent Bengals team. I do remember that. Because we can all remember. So maybe we can get one of those, and for Jay Biz's sake, we'll tie at 56. That'd be awesome. Call it a day right there. But the Ravens hosting the Vikings next Sunday at 1 o'clock. That's an all-purple matchup. Kind of different shades of purple there. The Ravens a little more of that dark, deep purple. And then you got the, uh, the light Prince purple with the Minnesota Vikings. So I'd love to see, you know, kind of what the 
Oh, maybe we'll get to see the Ravens in the black uniforms to differentiate themselves. Maybe we just took but, an L to the Jets in their black uniforms, which are yeah. more, a little more fresh than I expected with the black pants. But Jets hey, can I say one uniform. more thing about primetime football while we're at it? Absolutely, you can. What's up with the NFL's obsession with putting this dog shit NFC East division on primetime every single night, every single week? Like tonight, <sighs> for example, can we get that shit off our screens? Like, really? why do we have to watch the Giants and the Eagles in prime time like six times a year? Is it just because there's those are highly populated cities? Really, I'd like to say thank you because this has been right? something I've been saying for it feels like the last six years of my life. It's like, oh, guess what, yeah. guys? Sunday night football. It's it's the Cowboys versus. Like, let's the not Giants. even mention the Cowboys. Yeah. Oh, goodness. it's Eagles versus Washington. Like, uh, okay, snooze fest. The Giants versus. The Eagles. I'd literally watch. I'd literally rather watch the Canadian Football League than like Giants Eagles. I mean, it made sense when it was like Eli Manning versus, uh, you know, Donovan McNabb. Yeah. Or or Vic. Yeah, or Vic. He had a nice career with the Eagles. I could I could give two shits about Jalen Hurts versus fucking whatever his name Heineke is. Yeah, and of course, <laughs> you know, with tonight, we got the Giants, you know, national media market, but then you got Mahomes. So it is really kind of tailor made for like a nice TV game. I'll give him this one. As we know, you know, Patrick Mahomes, brother of the TikTok star, attracts a lot of, you know, those people that aren't necessarily football yeah. fans, Davili. Yeah. B list celebrity Patrick Mahomes, brother of B-list celebrity Jackson. <laughs> I came here for Jackson and to watch he and Patrick's fiance do a TikTok together on the sideline yes must see yeah. tv the chiefs they're not looking like super bowl contenders this year they're starting to slip away from looking like playoff contenders they really yeah. they're freaking me out a little bit which is fucking awesome so you think <laughs> so you think but the chiefs are a, a cautionary tale for any of us with young aspiring to be great quarterbacks really because mm-hmm. you pay the quarterback and you know even though joe burrow is not necessarily better than patrick mahomes even though baker mayfield is not better than Patrick Mahomes, they are probably going to get paid around Patrick Mahomes level, if not more. I don't know. Cap continues to go up. I'm not saying this just because I'm a I'm a Cincinnati fan. I, I get that there's a little bias here, but just based on the type of character I've seen from Joe Burrow, he's not in commercials. He's not in those progressive Heisman commercials. You see, he doesn't do media. He doesn't do anything flashy. I could see him taking the Tom Brady route and being like, yeah, I don't need to be the highest paid in the league. Build a good roster around me. I really could see him doing that, and that gives me a lot of hope. But we'll see. I mean, I don't know. We'll yeah. see over the next couple of years what happens. Yeah, I mean, he the- had that he, that huge knee injury, and he's like, yeah, I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you guys save some money on me so that you can spend it elsewhere if it's going to help me. Yeah, like, had, like I'm being serious. Has Tom Brady ever been the highest paid quarterback in the NFL in our life? Like, has no. he? I don't think he has. Nope. No. I'm just saying, I could see Joey B following a similar route. Maybe he takes. He's the, not going to uh, be Kirk Cousins getting a fuckload of money, but being pissing at Kirk Cousins. I think we could say at this point already that Joe Burrow is clearly not Kirk Cousins. Thank God. All right, so we've congrats, established that. <laughs> congrats to you, Joe Burrow, for passing the Kirk Cousins barometer. All right, cool. I always <laughs> love your use of the term pissant, Ethan. He's a pissant. He is. <laughs> Who's scared to play Kirk Cousins? Little pissant bastard. <laughs> Clearly no love loss between Ethan DeVille no. and Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and no love loss between me and Jay Biz, me and DeVille. I, I hate you guys for like the next two weeks, but I do love you deep down. So 
Thanks for doing this podcast again. This is week eight in the books, week nine on the way to make it officially the halfway point once we uh, surpass about Wednesday of this week, boys. So soak it in. We don't have that much football left. You got to you gotta breathe it in, breathe deep. I can't remember. believe we're halfway done. How crazy is that? Yeah. We're halfway done. Please don't remind me because especially it's days like this, you know, I, I want the week to get by so quickly because hey, we're not halfway done. Not yet. I guess technically, no, we're not. Yeah. We got a 17th flopper this year, 18 weeks. We la- I'll, I'll say this lastly before we go. We know, guys, playoff football, once that turns on, that's not the same as turning on for NFL Sunday, a full slate of games like where you can literally have, what, what do they say? You know, not seven hours, 10 hours of nonstop football, whatever they say on the red zone. Mm-hmm. I guess it's 10 hours if you watch the, uh, or more if you watch the London game. The Bengals haven't been in the playoffs in a couple of years, obviously, but like I get like nervous for playoff games when it's like Thursday <laughs> and we play on like a Sunday playoff game. I'm like, oh God, like, can our defense hold up against them? Like, I get like, I mean, there's oh, just all week. more meetings behind shit. them all week. <laughs> Yeah, it's stressful. (laughs) Trust me, man. You think, Corey, you think it's bad your team not making the playoffs all those years? You know, it's hard as your team making the playoffs all those years. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. The stress each week. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, is I pity you. The stress of your team playing in an AFC championship and playing in a Super Bowl. It's, it's, I mean, it's just so. All right. right, I take back everything I said. (laughs) All the highs and lows. Highs and lows. Yeah, every time I, you know, every time I, my team scores a touchdown, it's just worse and worse. And I know, you know I'm like, oh, they could I know that this, this stress is going to continue even longer. It's just they scored a touchdown, but that just leads them closer to the Super Bowl, and I can't take it anymore. Right. Enjoy the success, Jay Business. It'll be short lived. All right. No love lost. Week eight in the books. Sign off. Thanks for listening to this episode of No Love Lost, an AFC North Roundtable. If you like us, well, obviously you do here at this point in the episode so subscribe to us please leave us a review and follow us on twitter and instagram at no love lost nfl now look i know that we're releasing this a couple days after we recorded it so this was pre any obj or obs drama with the browns that situation is going totally nuclear and it looks like the browns have completely mishandled it at least in my opinion next week we'll actually have a former browns employee on the podcast to give us his opinion on what's unfolded in cleveland thanks again take it easy out there